Chapter Six of The Blue Star. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Angelique G. Campbell. August 2018. The Blue Star by Fletcher Pratt. Night and Day. The Place of Masks. No step sounded but as they stood closely to catch any stir, a clear, childish treble came muffled through the wood. What is it? Rodford squeezed Lalette's hand. I cannot tell you from here, she said, with her mouth close to the door, but we need help. Will you let us in? Pause, in which a chain rattled. In the name and protection of the God of love, enter and the door melted before them into a darkness different because it held shapes. "'Stand there till I make a light,' said the young voice. "'You must be careful not to break things.' There was a small sound of fumbling, flint and steel clicked, and the candle came slowly into light on a scene that made Rodford and Lalette both almost cry out, for the small room seemed crowded with people, princes and queens with coronets, richly and gaily dressed.' beggars in rags of silk yellow warriors with ram-horn helmets zigourneers with want chins and sliding eyes and other fantasies of human shape so lifelike in the uncertain gleam that it was an eye-flick before they could be recognized as festival masquerades in the midst of them a smooth-haired boy of it might be anywhere from twelve to sixteen stood bowing gravely in his night-hose candle held at arm's length i am glad to see you he said my name is laduus domagaic it was a good name for them from the northwestern providences where queen and florestan were least popular said radvard we are pursued by the city provost because a court lord wishes harm to this lady will you help her get away the boy looked at lalette cocking his head on one side as though listening to a distant voice yes he said my heart says it is right and we must always listen to the heart besides we don't like the provosts thank you said lalette where are your parents father is in another world and mother's at the marquis of palm's palace to make the costumes for the spring festival she's going to stay all night and she told me i must go to bed but this is more fun he looked at Lalette again, and his eyes widened suddenly. Oh, are you the witch? Witch something for me. In spite of her situation, Lalette smiled. Aren't you afraid it would hurt you? Oh, no. We are Amorosians, and so witches can't hurt anything but our outsides. I'm not supposed to tell anybody that. Only the provosts are after you, too, so it's all right. From outside came the sound of feet, tramp, tramp, on the stair, and distant voices. They're going to search, said Rodvard. Laduus, the lady will come back and witch something for you another day, but just now we must get her away from the provosts. Is there any way out of this house except by the main stair? The boy was all seriousness. Not from this floor, sir. I used to go down the drain pipe from Sartatarin's quarter, but... That was when I was thirteen, and it isn't dignified. Then we must hide her. Rodford's eyes darted around the small room, 
took in the door to the still smaller where beds must be. The masks. Can you help us under some of these? Laduus Damajeg clapped his hands, and they set to work. For Lalette, a cashmere nash princess, whose billowing imitation furs would hide the trimness of her figure. A hunchback ziggurat near money-lender for Rodford, with a bag of brass-plated scooty. Her dress had to come off, but the boy took it to hang with his mother's, and came back to help Rodford adjust the face-mask as furniture was moved overhead. The thumping came to an end. There was the sound of feet on the stairs once more. Rodvard and Lalette squeezed past the ghostly figures at the front of the assembled masks, and the boy blew out the candle. Bang! The Queen's warrant, said a voice outside. Open! Rodvard could hear the boy's feet go pad-pad on the floor from the bedroom, acting as part in all detail. What is it? Queen's warrant. We're looking for an assassin. Chain rattled. Through the eye-peeps of the mask, Rodford could see the priest in the light of the provost lantern, and held his breath. My mother is not here. We don't need her. Stand aside. Rodford stood rigid, cursing himself for a fool to have put on the Zigrenir guise with its bag of false coins that might jingle. By the service, the whole assembly's here. The priest held high his amulet. This was the moment of test, but it passed so lightly there might have been no test at all. The provost raised his lantern. Anybody call on you tonight, Sprout? I was asleep, sir provost. The man grunted. Light flickered as he went into the bedroom. There was a thud, as though he might be kicking something and he came back into the sweep of sight, a naked short-sword showing in his hand. Hmm, not here, he said. Ah, uh, bah. She's a witch, and has spirited herself to the green islands. But I'll have my revenge. He swung his sword at the neck of a yellow-armored mayor and fighting man, and Rodford heard the head crack to the floor as the boy cried, Oh, no! The provost Three scooty reward for a foreman down. Tell your mother I saved you from a villain. Hark now. Open your door this night to none more. An order in Her Majesty's name. The door banged to leave it dark for those within and feet retreated beyond. Rodford stirred cramped muscles. Will they come back? Lalette's voice whispered. The candle lifted slowly into light. Laduus Damajeic was on one knee beside the fallen head, whose nose was broken off. The eyes that looked up held tears. That man killed Baron Mondefer, he said fiercely, and I would like to kill him too. Lalette slipped off her head mask and ran a hand across her hair, looking very princess, with her dark head against the white cashmere nash fur. A true sorrow, and it is our fault, she said. Do you have names for them all? Oh, yes. You are the Princess Sunama, and she's always getting into trouble because it's cold where she comes from, and her heart is all ice, and the others don't like her except for Bonsteg the beggar, who is really a prince in disguise, only she doesn't know it yet, but Baron Mundifer was one of my favorites. He's from Mayern, you see, and he's always lived in the forest, even if he is in favor of Prince Pavinius, 
and thinks he's still a good prophet. Said Rodford, undoing laces to get out of his zigrenier dress, your mother will get someone to fix him and bring him back to life. No. His spirit's gone away to another body, like father's, and now there isn't anything left but dust. If mother has a new head made, I will have to give it a different name. The boy looked at Rodford solemnly, and then the blue star was cold as cold upon his breast. He could not somehow draw quite clear the thought behind those young candid eyes, something about a place shrouded in clouds, an old house somewhere, with a diffused golden light. Weariness slid his jaws into a yawn. There's a place where we can sleep. 2. They had to take his mother's bed, not meant for more than one, so that for the first time they lay close wrapped in each other's arms with the night between them. And this, with the sharp memory of the peril shared on the rooftops hand in hand, was a little more than either could quite bear unmoved, even though the boy was in the corner of the room. They began kissing and holding each other very tight. Presently, deep breaths said Laduus was asleep. She did not resist, nor desire to. Afterwards, Rodford lay for a long time wakeful, thinking that this had been the sobbing, true union, not an arranged accident like that under the tree. They had pledged each other, and were somehow one forever. Now he was committed, and there was a deep, harsh sweetness in the thought of devotion and change, life and love, forgetting all ambition, high destiny, and even the sons of the new day that had brought him to this. Of course, Lark and Laduus rose before them in the morn, the first the pair heard was a double rap at the outer door, and the boy's voice saying, Mother, we have guests. Rodford rolled out to make the best bow he could with half his laces still undone, and saw a small woman of careworn aspect, at maybe thirty-five years, who had just set a heavy basket on the floor. Madame Damagéic, I am your humble servant, Rodford Bergelin. Your son took my... Sweetheart and myself in last night to save us from distress. Mother, I listened to the voice of the heart, as you said, piped the boy. They are good. Besides, a provost came and broke Baron Mondufer. It is well done, son. She placed a hand protectingly on his shoulder. Sir, I am glad that Laduus could help you. Have you breakfasted? I left some of my bread and cheese for them, mother. A lady is a witch. Rodford saw the woman's face alter, and her eyes, which had held only a mild questioning, were taken away from him. She fumbled in her belt purse. Laduus, she said, will you get another pitrot weight of millet from the shop at the market square? Lalette came from the bedroom, looking only by the half as delightful as Rodford's night memory painted her, curtsied her, and said straightly, Madame, I am in your benevolence and honor, so now no concealments. I am Lalotte Asterax, the veritable witch on whom the provosts have set a price, and if my being here will trouble you, I'll leave on the instant. But I swear I have done nothing for which I might truly fear from a just God. Doubt melted from Dame Damagéic's face. She reached out both hands to take the two of the girls, saying, My dear, I could not let you go from here into danger for that would not be love. But as for your witchery, we are also told that if one live in the true world, 
the outer appearance of evil on all of us shall have no force each must find his own way to love now you shall tell me the whole story while i set forth something to eat the girl gave it all fairly hiding nothing as they munched on bread and cheese and pickled onions when she had finished on the note of madame cage's treachery dame damagex said ill done but the poor woman's fault is partly your own said rodford surprised how can that be madam it takes more than one to make a martyr if you had been wholly ruled by the god of love the good will you bore her could not have been but reflected back toward you was there not something perhaps something of slight importance on which you felt almost in fury with her rodford flushed recalling the moment when madame kaja had burst in to find them on the bed balalette said simply yes and on a question that most sharply brings angers to wit money speaking of which have you the spotters rodford why no i reached for them where they were on the table as we went through the window but they were not there and i thought you had taken them lalette's nostrils moved a victory for madame kaja she has left us penniless believe me an evident result of the fact that you quarrelled with her on pennies said dame namajaic rodford i will not say i disbelieve you madam yet i cannot see how this is valuable in our present necessity the thing's done now we have to ask how matters can be bettered and how to carry a word to my good friend dr remigorius so that we can elude the body of this pursuit the widow looked at him steadily and although he was new to this blue star he felt surprised that he could make out nothing in all behind her eyes no thought whatever sir bergelin she said you will one day learn that before you can escape the world's despairs you must first escape the world's self but now you have been sent to me for help and helped you shall be with what i know of mask-making i can so alter your appearance that it will not be hard to pass a relaxed watch but will your doctor provide security assuredly said rodford too quickly lalette thought and it was so for he remembered at the moment when he surprised the doctor's mind his carelessness of what happened to lalette dame damagec gave a trifling sigh you will be safe here for the time but there is a condition to my aid i believe in a rule more certain than yours of witchcraft demoiselle and will ask that while you are under my roof you will banish from your mind every thought of evil and horror and revenge even toward those who have wronged you it is a protection i ask for me and my son though you will not believe it part three by this time it was clear to both rodford and lalette that as the boy had said they were certainly in the house of a follower of the prophet of manchuray although they did not speak of it the thought gave them both an inner qualm not over being found there but at the thought of what might be done to their inner selves by one of these insidious probers of secret thoughts who had so misused their own prophet but a mouse cannot choose the smell of the hole he hides in they glanced at each other and gave the widow their word as she had asked the boy ladjewis returned it was thought better that the pair be somewhat disguised again in case of visitors lalette kept the cashmere nash furs 
Bodvard at first donned the garb of an executioner, but the girl not liking him in that, took the gear of a hunter-guide from the ragged mountains instead. It was a moment of nervous attempt, through which they heard feet come and go in the apartment overhead. Between the promise to the widow and their own feelings, there was hardly anything that could be said of what they wished to say, so they spent the time listening to the lad, who told them tales of his imagined people behind the masks. It would be about the noon glass when a man knocked, who said he was the butler of the Baroness Stampella, to look at a costume, coming so quickly to the door that Rodvard and Lalette were without time to don head-masks, and sought refuge in the bedroom. This was as well. The butler examined attentively everything in the outer room. Not long later the widow returned, narrowing her eyes over the tail of the Stampella butler. She has her own dressmaker. Could he have been a spy? Then to the couple, You see, you obeyed my injunction as to thought, and were protected. Rodford would have made a point of this, but Dame Damagec gave no time, turning to Lalette with, Touching your mother, my dear, I think you have not to be troubled. I have not seen her myself, but the gossip is that Count Clody has most generously sent her a present of money, which is as evident of the working of the God of love, though the instrument may not be what we would desire. Rodford, whom this style of discourse filled with the discomfort he could not readily assay, asked about Remigorius. The dame had visited his shop. She produced a chit from the doctor which confirmed all Rodford's discomforts on the matter of Lalette, for it commanded him in guarded words to come at once and without her. Lalette did not understand when he showed her the paper, but she said he must clearly go. Dame Damagec added her voice to the same purport, saying that if Rodford would need it to go elsewhere, Lalette would be safer there for hiding alone. From a cabinet she brought some of the false hair used on masks and skillfully affixed a fur of it to Rodford's face, while Lalette, suddenly gay, changed the dress of his head and added a ribbon that made him quite a different person. He kissed her farewell. The widow simpered as though it were she who had been saluted and said she would offer an answerable prayer to the god of love for the success of his going. End chapter 6 Recording by Angelique G. Campbell September 2018